0: Welcome to the Digital Workplace Services Deep Dive. I'm your host, Weston Morris. In today's podcast, I'm speaking with Steve Palmucci, who most recently served as the global CIO for TiVo, and there he had to support thousands of demanding tech-savvy users around the globe. Prior to that, he served as the CTO for Chubb Insurance, a global company operating in 80 plus countries. Prior to that, the CIO and head of cloud engineering for SunGuard Availability Services. Now, Steve has offered to share with me some of the pitfalls that enterprises can run into in rolling out new digital workplace technology. And hopefully, he'll share with us some of the secrets he's found to overcome those pitfalls. So Steve, thank you very much for joining me today.
1: Great, thank you, Weston. Good morning. Uh, it's great to be here with you today to discuss the topic of digital experience and my thoughts on where things are headed for the enterprise uh, in the near future.
0: So Steve, in your most recent role, you faced the challenge of bringing together workplace technologies from two different companies. And and that's actually a fairly common problem with all the mergers and acquisitions that are going on in the industry. So I think our our listeners are are gonna be very interested in how you addressed selecting the right technology. Sure, Uh, let me give you some
1: background and context. We had a unique opportunity. We were bringing two companies together in a merger scenario, and technology was just one of the areas of integration that we had to address. So specifically, the ability to collaborate effectively was really important to achieving all of the merger objectives. And doing that quickly was really important as well. There was a lot of pressure to synchronize and integrate the UC tools. And in our case, we had two distinctly different approaches to UC uh, and really different technologies as well. One side was a pure Microsoft shop, heavily invested in video conferencing, fully IP-enabled for voice. Um, The other side was more of a Silicon Valley, best-of-breed approach with tools like Slack and Zoom, uh, which really weren't very integrated at all. And on that side also, there, there wasn't a heavy appetite for video conferencing, so that was a bit of a difference.
0: So as a result of the merger, there were really two different IT camps in the company, so to speak. Two different technologies were being evaluated. Was it easy to get everyone to come together and make a selection that everyone was happy with?
1: It was pretty controversial. There was a lot of debate and much of it was based on emotion. uh, And some of it was based on what I call appearances and how did we want to represent ourselves and what kind of company did we want to look like? So Microsoft was viewed rightly or wrongly as kind of the stodgy legacy type of technology and um, the, the best of breed technologies, Zoom, Slack, were really looked at more as a, a, a Silicon Valley way of thinking, modern, cutting edge, and we had to uh, we had to deal with that in in terms of making our decision. But in the end, we really decided on an all-in approach to Microsoft technologies based on Office 365, fully cloud-based for email, calendaring, video, voice, OneDrive, SharePoint.
0: You know, I always find it interesting to find out how an IT organization picks one technology over another. And I, it's almost always not about the technology. So, so what guiding principles did you use?
1: We chose this approach for two primary reasons. The first reason was we we placed a high value, high premium on a fully integrated experience across all the different dimensions that I mentioned above. We wanted one integrated experience between audio, video, um, voice, calendaring, email, file sharing. And so the Microsoft solution provided that for us. And a second um, uh, important factor was we wanted to leverage the investment in Microsoft technologies to eliminate the expense of the redundant technologies like Zoom and uh, Box and Slack which were additive to, um, to what we were already investing in Microsoft and very significant. And the reason for that is the way Microsoft technologies are licensed under an enterprise agreement. Um, if you have an enterprise ag- agreement like the one we have, all of the technologies that come in Office 365 are available to you, whether you use them or not. So we needed, of course... Word and, and uh, Office, uh, Productivity Tools, Excel, Access, those sorts of things, uh, PowerPoint, and, and of course, desktop operating systems, which all come under our enterprise agreement. And then along with that comes Skype and, and uh, OneDrive and SharePoint. So to not use those and to instead use Zoom and Slack and Box and the like, uh, was was very would be very costly, very expensive for us. So you know, that wasn't the only consideration, but it was definitely an important consideration. Uh, coupled with the fact, as I mentioned, that we wanted this full integration, uh, we decided to to move with the Microsoft solution.
0: So here you are. You've got two different camps in the company, each with let's say strongly entrenched opinions as to which technology to use and in, in moving forward with your company's digital workplace strategy. Now, you pick one, and you announce your decision. Uh, how how was the decision received?
1: So the decision wasn't necessarily well received by some folks, and frankly, uh, we really didn't help our case uh, in some stages uh, or in some ways in the early stages because we experienced some complicated technical issues that took us some time to work through. So initially, uh, the service and the solution didn't operate as effectively as it really should have. Uh, once we worked out the technical problems and the services became stabilized, the noise quieted down, and even those who were not supportive of the decision uh, really couldn't complain too much about the service, uh, although they they may still have had their preferences for which
0: way we should have gone. I want to come back to something you mentioned earlier, Steve. You, you said that emotion was definitely an issue. So how did you get everyone to see past the emotion and look at things objectively? Yeah, sure. So
1: so we really looked at at the tool selection across the board as an opportunity. So we we did an analysis in each case, and we tried to be very objective. We looked at was, let's call it side A. Did we have the best solution on side A, best solution on side B? or perhaps uh, neither solution may have been the best one and, and we looked at it as an opportunity to, uh, to choose a different solution. And so across the board, across all different technologies, not just UC. You know, with respect to, uh, to UC in particular, uh, I mentioned previously that you know, we went through a process where we, uh, we placed great value on having a fully integrated experience across video, voice, calendaring, mail, um, file sharing, and and all of those different dimensions. That was really important to us, so we used that as a, as a key decision-making point. And then, of course, I mentioned the financial element, uh, which was also very significant. And and emotions were, were part of it. I mean, there were emotions that were involved in this, but in the end, it really can't be about feelings or emotions. It's, it's about a business decision driven by data wherever possible. And, you know, I have a a kind of a philosophy that says data trumps uh, opinions. And what I mean by that is the more information you can collect and and use to support your decisions, uh, the more effectively you can communicate your reasoning for your choice. And, you know, I feel pretty comfortable that if you have a sound rationale for making a decision, and even if it's unpopular, you you can stand behind it and ultimately you'll have success in in uh, convincing others that the right decision was made, even if they don't necessarily agree with it, they they should still respect it.
0: Data Trump's opinion. I love that. I, I have to believe it's easier said than done though, Steve. So what data did you use? and and how did you collect that data?
1: yeah. so so it's complicated. and of course, it depends on the the scenario in which you're you're dealing. Uh, first of all, there's always a financial component, so you have to understand the finances and be able to explain your choice in financial terms. So that that wasn't uh, terribly difficult for us to do. So on a financial case basis, the the move to the all-in Microsoft solution was was literally. Um, not a difficult decision, from just purely from a financial point of view. That wasn't the only factor, but from a financial point of view, it wasn't a difficult decision because we we were committed to Microsoft uh, from the standpoint of, uh, very specifically, from the standpoint of our operating systems for our desktops and laptops, as well as our office tools, um, Word, uh, Excel, PowerPoint, and the like, and the way you license Office three sixty five all of the other capabilities come with those tools. So we were going to pay for all of the capabilities that were in Office 365, including Skype, including OneDrive, including SharePoint, whether or not we use them. So the question was, how much incremental value would we get from using redundant technologies on top of the ones we were already paying for Microsoft, discrete technologies that some would consider to be best of breed, like Zoom and Box and Slack and others. And those tools all together were very significant incremental costs. So from a financial point of view, it was a fairly easy um, analysis and, and easy enough to gather the data to make a case set on a purely financial basis that the right thing to do is to move to the Microsoft tool set.
0: Well, I have to agree that cost is almost always an important data point, but were finances the only thing that you looked at in choosing this technology?
1: finances alone aren't enough to make a decision when it comes to tools that users live in and that they need uh, to be productive in their, in their jobs. You have to understand their use cases. You have to understand you know, what we kind of refer to as user journeys, how they use the technology on a daily basis, what their challenges are. And to do all this, you, you really need some additional technical data. And so I'm talking about things like statistics on network performance and availability and latency and and success rates of connections and by location and by connection type and a lot of this data is available unfortunately it's not all in one place so we had a lot of data that we took out of the Microsoft service itself we had a lot of data that we took from network monitoring and network performance tools and and so we we amalgamated all of that data the best we could to come to conclusions about not only which Solution would be the right one, but post implementation, how we would actually be able to monitor and 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 prove that the solution was working in the way we expected it to, according to particular service levels. So, um, you know, you have to have the technical data to monitor and understand the things you can control and influence to ensure the best outcomes, and you have to be in clear communication about what you can't control. For example. You know, things like um, Wi-Fi access. If you're attempting to connect to a service and you're sitting in an airport or you're sitting in a hotel or you're sitting in a Starbucks, which people do these days very frequently, it's part of modern work. Well, there are certain things that you you really can't control. So I can't control the experience that someone may have in connecting to Wi-Fi in a Starbucks. You just have to make sure people understand that you can't control those things. It's part of modern living modern life, whether you're working or even in your personal environment. And so, you know, therefore um, you can't necessarily tarnish the, you know, the thought around how the service is operating because you can't connect from uh, a a location, for example, that, you know, that isn't really controllable by, by the IT organization. And again, I think this is common sense approach, but, um, but something that is best made explicitly clear so that people really understand the, the entire uh, playing
0: field and what you're trying to accomplish. So Steve, what is one of the biggest pitfalls you see when rolling out a new technology?
1: So uh, in my view, communication is the, is the biggest challenge and there are really two types of communication. The way I view these things, one is uh, communication to executives and to senior business leaders, it's a distinct style and, method and and type of information that needs to be communicated. And then the second is communication to the masses, to the users of the technology. And that's a different type of communication uh, and
0: style uh, and
1: method that is needed in order to be successful.
0: Well, let's talk about that a bit more. How do you communicate to both audiences?
1: Well, so um, with executives, I like to make sure that they have all the information they need to make business decisions. They do this every day. Um, for other reasons, not technology reasons. So, you know, a technical technical platform shouldn't be any different. shouldn't be viewed any differently. End users may not have the same perspective. So, for them, it's more important to explain the benefits. You know, what they get out of the technology, and what they could do now that they wouldn't have been able to do previously. And then there are uh, uh, a couple of different techniques that I would mention uh, in terms of communicating to end users, in particular. Uh, one is what I would call a grassroots communication directly to the end user community, and there are many techniques you can use to uh, to accomplish this. Uh, what we found uh, very successful is using champions and early adopters directly from the user community to help support adoption, and also to provide some support and training uh, to the their colleagues uh, during the implementation period. Some people uh, really enjoy doing that, they take it very seriously, and oftentimes end users are um, Uh, very willing to listen to their colleagues when it comes to uh, understanding how to either use a technology more effectively or how to solve problems. And then another technique that we've used pretty successfully is having what I call a comprehensive communication plan using whatever tools are available in your organization, Uh, portals, login banners, uh, physical signage. And then the most important thing, I think, is making sure that people have access to uh, training and knowledge about the solution that they can get in a ser- self-service format. And some people like that, other people uh, will never pay attention to it, but for those who do, uh, making it easy, easily available to them is, uh, is really important to the adoption, successful adoption of the technology.
0: Well, Steve, I really appreciate you taking some time to talk with me today and sharing your experiences. Thank you very much. You're quite welcome. Thank you. You've been listening to Steve Palmucci, who has served as the CIO at both TiVo and SunGuard, as well as the CTO at Chubb Insurance. And today he shared with us his thoughts on how to successfully plan for and roll out a digital workplace. We hope you enjoyed the show. Well, that wraps up this edition of the Digital Workplace Services Deep Dive. I'm your host, Weston Morris. Thanks for spending some time with us today.